0: Uh, this being a little different week, you've probably already figured that out with uh, Faith and I being in Buffalo, I hope you'll be okay without a handout. Some of you may need to leave now if there's, a <laughs> you know, but it's very rare for me not to end my really spending time with mom and all that cut into my regular study time uh, in the uh, Gospel of Luke. So I thought we'd come back and the Lord put upon my heart uh, a theme while I was up there and then driving back and then and then time here that I thought we might go back and visit. Uh, it's a wonderfully encouraging theme and one that uh, I trust uh, God will use in your heart and life. I want to ask a question. Bev read our text and turn to Galatians 5 if you've not. I want to ask uh, the question, what, so what, the, what does a Christian look like anyway? What does a Christian look like anyway? You know, I, I grew up in the uh, 60s. Actually, was in high school in 1968-9, the early years. That seems like a million years ago to some. Some of you, I, I'm a kid. I like hanging around you because you say, oh, you're just a youngster. Don't hear that much anymore. But um, when we, in that day, it was kind of a nutty day. Every day has its own kind of nuttiness. In fact, we need to pray for our president and those in authority over, I hope you're doing that, wisdom with the Syrian thing and all of that. Uh, we, met the, we, we we want to take that and pray for wisdom, direction, that God would work. That is the hot spot of the world, the Middle East, just as we've been told that in the scriptures. But we want to pray that way. But back in the 60s, you know, there was, uh, there was such rebellion, anti disestablishmentarianism, Some of you remember spelling the longest word in the English language, you know, we're going to drop out pot out and everything else and all that kind of thing and, uh, and a lot of our churches didn't respond really well and I was in a church I love the, love the word and uh, probably didn't really respond very well because there was a strong emphasis on the external that you know get saved and cut your hair was a message to the guys. Uh, it, sounds, it sounds so funny today doesn't it? And well, Most of the guys got their, uh, that, that cut don't have hair today, but it was, <laughs> it, was a, it was a funny message, you know, like, get cleaned up, this and that and all that. And it was kind of like, fix the package up on the outside. And I'm sorry to say, it seems like many ended up walking away from those years really disillusioned, you know, as to what is Christianity? What does a Christian really look like? You know, is there a wardrobe? I mean, there was an emphasis on all that. Modesty is always in season, of course, of course, but uh, pretty much you can't tell by 50 feet away whether someone's a Christian or not, by just by, oh, that's sort of how they look. They must be in the family of God. It was the wrong emphasis, I think, and now we look back at them and we go like, hmm, I'm not sure about that, that kind of, kind of a thing, okay? But... Uh, do you know that you can tell a Christian what, and what a Christian uh, is supposed to look like? Uh, I had a wonderful professor uh, who's now in heaven who used to say and drive it into our woodblock heads, he would say. There are th- really three essences of salvation uh, that, uh, that God has uh, wonderfully uh, saved you. And there are three ways that we belong to the Lord. And that is, uh, first of all, he made us we are fearfully and wonderfully made you didn't make yourself and you haven't been around here that long have you noticed that time is going going and almost gone but we are fearfully and wonderfully made our bodies just the creation all of these things are so beautiful I mean beautiful uh... the exactness and the distance and From the sun, the stars, gravity, the oceans, 21% oxygen, your eyes, your sensory. You know, you see everything upside down. Did you know that? Your brain flips it around. Aren't eyes a wonderful thing, you know? And hears, it hears. Ears to hear, you know? I mean, it's the sense. If the five senses, if you didn't have those senses of smell, taste, touch, Hearing and sight, we'd be bumping each other, we didn't even know it, we didn't feel it. Hey, you just ran over it, didn't feel it, you know. <laughs> it's just incredible, just incredible. I, I, I know, Taylor, you've not heard, but Mark talks, he gets talking about the incredible uh, teeth and the structure of the teeth and the enamel and all these kind of, and the gum and the strength of the, of the uh, just incredible design that God has made. We are three, three ways we are His. We are His, He made us. Second way, if you know Jesus as your personal Savior, He saved you. He bought you. You've been bought with a price. We were sold on the, on the uh, st- on this stage, the platform of sin and slavery. And if, you've, if God has uh, opened your heart and you've said, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Uh, uh, you're saved. He bought you. So in the second way, not only made you, you know, he made, but second, he bought you, and then third is the way that he is remaking you. That's called sanctification. He uh, He's not content to just save you as you were at that moment, but he is making you fit for heaven. You're not fit right now. If you were, you'd be out of here. Go on, you know, go on, elevator up, there it goes, right? So he's, he's sanctifying. He's, making you into the image of Christ. Be being conformed. Now, that's not an external likeness, thankfully for that. I always am amazed when I think of uh, all the varieties of men and women throughout the world, and they all come from the same parents. That's according to biblical history. The same genetic uh, gene pool. And the variety and the complexity, the short, the tall, the fat, the slanted eyes, the curled hair, the dark, the red, the, the whole bit came. Uh, this, this whole ge- genetic pool all came from that. And yet there is a commonality that uh, we're of one bloodline, Paul says in Acts 17. Uh, all, God is made of all the people of one bloodline. We go back. It narrowed down to, to eight there at the, uh, at the deluge with Noah. I mean, they were and down to eight, so we can trace that all the way back. And then the drifting of the continents and the isolation and the interbreeding and certain gene brought out certain recessive characteristics. And now as it's being homogenized, everyone's traveling everywhere and everyone's marrying everybody, it's all kind of just Heinz 57, right? That's our family sort of like that. I thought of that when I went home. And, and in our family, we have, I'm not sure what color my sister's hair is, I, I never was quite sure on that. <laughs> but uh, my, uh, uh, my mother is great, but uh, I, I wouldn't know that either. That, she, that was one of the first things she did, right, baby? She, uh, I got I to get my hair. Get your hair? Yes, I got <laughs> Got to get that. And my brother tells a story, just a diversion, that here she is having a heart attack, and she's in the uh, bathroom, and they're, my brothers are going crazy because my mother's putting makeup on. She will not leave the house unless she's, you know, putting all the little dabble do ya type stuff. I guess I don't know. And uh, I said that to my sister, and they're like, "In faith, they're like, well, yeah." And the guys are like, "Gotta had an infarct, and that been it." You know, like, <laughs> gotta look good. You know. But I look at my own brothers and sisters. You know, my brothers have red hair. My oldest brother had it was orange. he used to say orange. I mean, it was. He was ahead of himself. That's sort of, I see people walking around with hair like that now. And <laughs> the red, and then my other brother's auburn, and one has blonde. I got the darker feature, my father, my sisters, I mentioned, I'm sure. But the variety, just the variety within one family, amazing. It's not the externals. You can tell a Christian, not from the outside, but it's from the inside. It's what God's doing in your heart and life. And he's changing you and giving you a new heart. That's what he's doing. I know he's doing it of my heart. Some days I see it better than others. Some days not so good. But uh, overall there's progression and God is molding me and making me and shaping me for heaven. I love the story Dr. Boyce tells in Philadelphia where uh, he walked, uh, he used to run five miles over lunch down to Fairmont Park and all that and then he stopped one day, he was walking back and a mason was on the sidewalk working away at a piece of stone. He's just hewing it and shaping it and all that, and uh, Dr. Boyce said, what what are you doing? And he said, I'm shaping this piece here for up there. He pointed way at the top of an old church that that was repairing it. I'm I'm forming it, shaping it here for there. And uh, Dr. Boyce said, that's a wonderful picture of what God is doing in our lives. He's molding and shaping through the stresses and strains and disappointments and heartaches, brokenness, and sicknesses, and all the junk of life. Amen? Is there a lot of junk in life? Yeah, I, I understand why the unsaved can be really down and depressed. You know, you get sick, you know, family gets sick, and some die, and you're gonna die. Wow, whoa, that's a, whoa. You know, they, they don't know the Lord, and the living hope that is ours through his resurrection. But God is changing us and giving us a new heart. And in Galatians 5, Paul is talking about just, just that. Uh, he's reminding these uh, believers in Galatia. That's modern-day Turkey, if you will, the area of Galatia. He's reminding him of the works of the flesh in verse 19. The works of the flesh. I mean, these are the things that are intuitive to us. We don't have to work at these. This, this, this stuff comes out of us, Right? Because we're born in sin, and sinners sin, and God saves sinners, and he begins to work this process of preparing us for up there. And he calls it the works of the flesh, our evidence, sexual immorality, that's the word pornea, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, em- enmities, hatred, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, wow, it sort of says it. It sort of described our community, our country, our world, right? Divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like this. I mean, that's not even a comprehensive list. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not hurt the kingdom of God. If if you're living in that lifestyle in a continual sense, it doesn't say you don't, you haven't done this. It doesn't mean that you're not saved and You struggle maybe with some of these and God picks you up and bend bend this on on you. But you live in that and dwell in that without any pang in your heart. Then you have reason to think. You're not even saved. You won't inherit. That's what he's saying. Okay? A durative sense of living in that state of sin. But if you're a believer now, these things are in you. But as God begins to mold you and change you and you're struggling uh, in this, God is working you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He reminds us of what he's doing, and he calls it, not the works of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now, some of your translations may have a little different order, a little different description, but there are nine qualities here that the Spirit of God is changing in your life, and he's changing in my life if you know him, and it describes what a Christian looks like. Verse 22, but here's the huge contrast Uh, The fruit of the spirit, and there's something about fruit. When fruit grows, it's not noisy. The works of the flesh, that sounds like banging, clanging, hammering. What's going on? Men at work, right? My father would say, I love work. I could watch it all day. You know, like, the the noise and the bang. I love that. I love to watch uh, Mike on the bulldozer and ripping down trees. I'm like, wow, that's neat. It's just the playground uh, of a little boy to a grown-up boy, you know, that kind of thing. right? The works, clamoring, noisy. But the fruit, now you ever hear fruit? Fruit doesn't make noise, does it? The life principle within the tree and beautiful cherries and apples down in Adams County and Peaches, don't you love peaches? Georgian peaches. Oh, great. Oh, oh, silently, look at the fruit. It's beautiful. Fruit, that's what from the inside out and silently producing. And he gives a list uh, of, of nine. And, and, and there, again, it's not exhaustive. But this is what the Spirit is doing in the hearts and lives and preparing men and women, boys and girls for, for up there. Love, joy, Peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Well, I just want us to look at the, this, this, uh, this quick list. Uh, you might examine your heart and see what God is doing in your heart. That uh, we might uh, see uh, what God is doing. There really, you can put these nine descriptions into like three categories. The first three are issues of the heart. Second three are relational. And the third is just general conduct, and so uh, as we spend just the next couple of minutes, let's just consider the, the first of all the issues of the heart. Uh, the first one is uh, agape, love. What is God doing? He's changing our self-centered, selfish hearts, meism, right, meism, me first, to be a, a loving person. Well, why is that? Well, God is love, and uh, and. Uh, uh, in him is no darkness at all. And how can you say that uh, you love God if you hate your brother? You're still in darkness. First John 2 tells us that. This is the first place because love is probably the characteristic of Christians. Oh, how they love one another. Well, is that intuitive? No, it's what God is doing in the hearts and lives of, of a local church of individuals. They care for each other. Now, it's a, not a warm and mushy feeling. though no, it can reach our feelings, and it sure should. But it's a giving type. It's giving to the benefit of the object of that. And our emotions always follow that. You know that? And so it can be a very loving thing. If, if you're struggling with somebody and you say, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I can love them, give to them. Give to them your prayers. Give to them kindness. Give to them, give, give. And your emotions will follow that. You know, a woman says, "I don't, I don't love my husband anymore." Be kind to him. Give to him. Pray for him. Give that time. Give, show him kindness. Do that, and you'll be amazed how God wires our emotions will follow that. If you have an enemy at work, you know, like, and we're supposed to love our enemies, right? Pray for. Him. Give them your time and prayer. Give them kindness. Look, and and you'll find your heart softening, even if they treat you harshly, meanly and hurt you in a lot of ways. The, it is the chief characteristic of a Christian. It's of paramount importance. It follows that since God is loved, those of His children are made like Him. This is not an emotion, it's a choice we are to love all others. It's not the phileo love. It's not the relational love. I love you because you love me back, and we have this you know—this thing going here It's often called brotherly love. It's, it's the love that gives without expecting anything in return. I mean, how, how is that not like God who gave us everything? That's, that's the Lord Jesus. God so loved the world. That's, that's the word that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It it is what God is doing in your life. And I've seen the gospel take root in in very self-centered people and see them bit by bit. God's changing them, developing them, making them into loving people. Not bitter, cantankerous. 100% no, because we still struggle. We have still the flesh there. But bit by bit by bit, God is preparing us and preparing you for heaven, the first one is love. The second is joy. God causes us to experience deep joy within our heart, no matter what befalls us. We know that Jesus do, does all things well. Joy. Now, joy is not happiness. You know that happiness is just like Frank Sinatra. Everything's going my way. Ah. Uh, wait, wait, wait an hour. <laughs> wait in the 10 minutes, it's going to change. But joy is is the utter bliss of God that God flows through you, through the Spirit of God. I mean, it's wonderful. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book, he entitled it when he came to know Christ, Surprised by Joy. I had no idea the joy and the bliss of God that God's Spirit produces in our heart. There's joy. Even though we're, we live in this fallen, broken world, and stuff happens. The Spirit of God can give us this this joy. This joy is the sunshine that ever beams for a believer. I love it. I hate it when I sin and I lose the joy of the Lord. I say, Pastor, you said I, I made the same stuff you are. are. You kidding? Don't don't put me up on a platform like that. I'll disappoint you. Talk to Faith. She can tell you. <laughs> Well, when I sin, I lose the joy. You ever notice that? When you sin, you don't feel like singing to the Lord? <laughs> I, I just sin, Lord, let me sing. No! Why? You lost the joy. And, and, and it just should drive you to repentance and confession and come back to that place, the joy that God's Spirit produces. It's God's bliss passing through the heart of his child. Even in the face of trouble, I have on my list, God's Spirit produces an inner joy because what? We know that he is sovereign and he does all things that are best, all things, even if we can't see it. We trust him. and He does all things well. We trust him. And, uh, and, and even if he should take us in death, we, we know that, as the Puritans used to say, delivered through death. Now, Americans don't think that way because we have such a plush life by world history standards. We think sort of like, is heaven here? You know, like Iowa, right? You ever see that movie? Is this is this heaven? Uh, Iowa, right? No, <laughs> no. But we have so many comforts, creaturely comforts, you know, where we go like, mm, I'm not sure if I want to go to heaven. This kind of thing. But even even here, when stuff happens, you know, we keep our eyes focused on Him. He, he the issue of a heart joy is so wonderful. I love it. I love to see you fellowshipping and sharing with each other. I can feel the joy you know and it's beautiful and that sweet fellowship the love and the joy these issues of the heart and then third is peace god provides us with unexplainable peace of mind i've seen it so many times in hospital rooms where saints get bad news and uh god god ministers to the spirit peace to them maybe it's we we can't do anything more for you i mean we've I've been there at such times like that, and I've sensed the very presence of the Lord and the, the peace of his son, of His presence. And I have been in, the, in, in, in many of other rooms where it was far different. You can't imagine the difference. The peace that, that God gives, it's the peace that stabilizes the heart. That word peace, around 80 times in the New Testament, peace I give to you, let not your heart be troubled, uh, you know, peace. Be anxious for nothing, but everything. Personal, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind like a soldier. God guards our heart; that He does all things well, and He gives us that quietness of soul, that peace. Oh, why? The basis of it: we're no longer enemies of God. You know, if you're not saved, God says that you're an enemy of God; <clears throat> that you need to be reconciled to God. That's another way of looking at our salvation, that God in Christ is reconciling the world, making them at one in Jesus. That, uh, and so once you are saved, you're at peace with God. Peace with God produces peace of God. A little prepositional change there, but it's all together. We're no longer the enemies. I love that, where <clears throat> Abraham is called the friend of God. Jesus said to his uh, disciples, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. That, that Blow your mind that, that we are the friends of God? We're at peace with him. And the peace that he gives us, it's so wonderful. Even in the midst of storm, he gives to us daily, uh, he does. Well... That's the first care. Second deals with our relationship. The next three. Our relationships change as, as uh, God is preparing us for heaven. It, it allows us to radiate and show uh, a Christ-likeness. For the Spirit of God will tenderize your heart toward your family, your friends, strangers, even enemies, all your relationships. He says here, patience is the next uh, quality that will come from your heart, changed. You'll be enabled to endure with others, even if you're treated badly. Patience. Oh, enduring with others. You know, I could live in the world, but other people, you know. I hear about it all the time. I mean, we talk, I talked to even some of you this morning, like, oh, the office, oh, it burdens me so much. And others, you know, like, oh, (laughs) patience, macrothumia, uh, uh, to to remain uh, under the heat of it, if you will enduring, long-suffering, slow to anger is what it means is patience. It's to keep yourself under control for a long time without retaliation. Uh, Next time we visit uh, Luke's gospel, we're going to see the Lord Jesus. He gives the absolute epitome of this, patience, long-suffering, enduring. Here he is, we're going to see him in his trial, and then he's beat up and spit upon and he could have destroyed them all with a wink of his eye. Boom, you know. And, uh, and that's what he's doing in our life. Uh, you know, it's, it's the most natural thing to just bop someone in the head, you know, that hurts you. You know, you stuck your finger in my eye, I'm going to see you and raise you. Boom, right? That, that's just in us. You know, there's nothing. That's of the flesh. And, and so but to do otherwise is evidence of the likeness of Christ in you and me and it's, it's this idea of enduring uh, with others. And God, God can cause that in, in your life. God is repeatedly described in the Bible as slow to anger. God is, God's patience is always connected with His mercy. His kindness, Romans 2-4, leads us to repentance. In fact, patience, is one of the major qualities mentioned in the Bible about God. You know, we talk about waiting for God. Wait, wait again on the Lord, wait I say, wait, be strong, wait on the Lord. But if you read the descriptions of God in the Bible, God's enduring, God's patience, uh, it seems to be mentioned almost more than any, any of these others except for love. Amazing, the patience of God. Jesus is the great example of patience. Consider how he endured in his ministry. Um, we are to do, and we're commanded to do the same thing. Enduring, patience. Well, wow. the, the next uh, in our relationship is kindness. You will delight in showing kindness to others, just as God showed kindness to you. This is the quality that, that is really love put into action. I don't know if you ever thought about it. But uh, oftentimes the words translate gentleness. It has the idea, but it's more than that. There's a tenderness about it. It does not mean weakness. Do you not think that. Uh, the word is frequently used of God's gracious attitude and acts towards sinners. God is kind towards sinners. Again, Ephesians 2.7. Uh, kind to those who are undeserving. It's uh, being kind to your enemies, and it'll heap uh, burning coals. In other words, it'll, it'll, it'll whatever that, that imagery means, we're not entirely sure, but it will bring them to repentance and friendship. You know, how can they stay angry at yeah, someone who's kind? Have you ever noticed that? You know, ever been kind to someone? Uh, or maybe, uh, maybe they've been kind to you. They upset you, but they've been kind. It's hard to stay mad at them. You know, that they keep, they're so kind. And, and that's the kindness uh, of the fruit that God is producing in us toward others. Jesus often revealed this kindness. I love these scenes in the gospels. He shows his kindness by he touches the sick. I mean think of the those with leprosy. Yeah, get out of town, get out. They had to yell unclean, unclean. They had to live in colonies. Their bodies were falling apart with that wretched disease, and we find him more than once and he didn't need to say and he didn't need to do but the text says he went over to the leper and he touched. That's, that's sweet kindness, you see. That's love in action. That's kindness. That's uh, love uh, uh, doing something and showing itself. You see, it's the opposite of me, myself, and I. It's all about me. I'm the story. I'm the, it's the opposite. God's changing us uh, to be like Jesus. And Jesus does that. He's kind <coughs> when he <coughs> not only touches the sick, but when he welcomes the children. I love that. Didn't have to include that in the text. But he invites suffer. We say the King James, we all learned, suffer the little children. It means allow the children to come unto me. For such is the kingdom. And they're sitting on And they felt right at home. Isn't that beautiful? That's, that's kindness. That's beautiful kindness. We see that and uh, and furthermore, uh, in the life of the Lord Jesus, we see him eating with sinners and feeling comfortable we 've talked a, a whole lot of it when he talk about my Hope America and inviting folks in and befriending them well if we don 't they we'll never uh, they 'll never hear the gospel, and God has strategically placed us in neighborhoods and offices and classrooms and and so on and so forth and, and to be used for the gospel's sake and I trust that you'll pray about that and do that with My Hope America for this October here's the Lord he's, he's sitting in, in with the, the just the, the, uh, the scum of the earth as they thought that way and, and they enjoyed his company and the kindness of God that's no, God sitting with rank sinners let that mess up your thinking a little bit insofar as kindness uh, one man has said, in Jesus, fatherly, uh, the fatherly kindness can be seen in a mirror, and so on. Well, the third and last in this uh, relationship to people is, is God getting ready. Not only do we have <clears throat> our patience and kindness, but also goodness. Your life will issue forth as a generous stream of goodness to others. Now, goodness is hard to to define. It's kind of a nebulous word, right? But it relates to kindness, yet it's different from kindness in that it seems to even be more active. If love generates kindness, then kindness generates acts of goodness. And so it seems related that way, at least as far as that's concerned. Generosity, it's a generosity that springs from kindness. Now, the Lord is the very essence of goodness. How many of you learned a little prayer when uh, you are a child, God is good, God is great, God we thank you for this food. I must have said that a million times for grace before we had dinner, right? And but saying God is good. And a lot of times in my prayer life, I, 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 I categorize when I worship the Lord, I, I magnify his greatness, you know, his qualities that are incredible, you know, he's almighty, he's sovereign, in his holiness, he's all-knowing, he has the planets, and those are the greatness. I, he doesn't share those with his creation. But his goodness, the other quality category, he's loving, he's kind, he's merciful, he's good. You know, he shares that with us, and he's making us into men and women who practice uh, even goodness like the Lord. The Lord is good all the time, all the time the Lord is good, and God is creating a people to reach out and touch the lives of others with acts, specific acts of, of, of goodness. I think I told you the one time uh, Faith and I ended up, we had a young family, and we drove to the Jersey Shore, and we saw goodness in action by uh, some uh, Dr. Skilton, a professor, Steam professor who had a little, uh, he was there with, in a house with a number of other professors from Westminster. We stopped there and uh, they had just changed the rule at Ocean City, New Jersey. You couldn't go on the, on the beach without a beach tag. Some of you remember that, some of you don't. Maybe Martha, you remember that. And we were there with all these little kids and we barely had enough money to get there. You know how that is when you're you know, so on. So when we came in from Indiana and this and that, and uh, we and we are visiting there. Faith's mom and dad were with us, and uh, uh, Doctor Skilton says, "Now you know they have the beach pit tags now. You got to have that, and it's all this, and it's just." Blah, blah, blah. And I go, "Oh no, <laughs> I hadn't budgeted and planned for that. and We barely had enough gas to get there. Remember that baby, and that kind of thing." And they were, they, he was sharp enough to go like, "They don't have money for this." And all of a sudden, without a second, he went over, pulled out an envelope, and he's putting down money. He knew exactly what it was. And he, I said, well, we can't take that. Well, you, we can't. Uh, we, we. He said, no, we plan. We have this one. We plan to, to show the love of Jesus to people that have a need. And you have a need, and you can't refuse. You can't. You have to take this. And so... We took it and used the, I, I'll never forget, that was a million years ago, it seems. And yet it was an act of goodness. It was the goodness of Jesus through Dr. Skilton for, what, to go to the beach. What's that, right? In the scope of things? But my kids had a ball and uh, and so on, and we enjoyed that. Goodness. The, the last category, our, our kind of general conduct as you look in the mirror, that you will mirror the Lord Jesus Christ as you walk in the spirit. You'll be increasingly changed from the inside out. And look at these last qualities faithfulness. You'll become a faithful person. Maybe you are not dependable, right? God is absolutely dependable, right? He is. Great is thy faithfulness. Don't we love singing that? Lamentations 3. Great is thy faithfulness. I mean, look at the look at creation. I mean, it's God's not like. Yeah, I wonder if they'll see the sun tomorrow. Let's, uh, let's roll them. Nope, sorry, no sun tomorrow. No, it's creation, seasonal changes. Welcome, incidentally, welcome to September, right? And Labor Day weekend. And uh, God's faithfulness with day and evening, season and harvest and planting. He's faithful. he's faithful, he's faithful, he's faithful, he's dependable. His word is dependable. And he's taking people like us. Our word is not always dependable. Have you noticed that? Have you know? I had a talk this week with someone in our family. Reflexively, you always tell the truth. Always tell the truth. I, I I lied. I lied. I lied. I said, "Don't do that." Just it should be disintuitive. So your word is faithful, dependable, and we're not like wondering. You know, always, always, always. But you see, it's Christ's work within us because we all tend to want to run and hide and, you know, if they all knew. But we're all lousy sinners, so we're all on the same plane and we're all God's project, sinners saved by grace. And this is what he's doing and making us prepared for heaven and he's causing us to be faithful. That means faithful in our word, faithful in our deed. We're faithful in the little things. The big things will be easy then. Faithful with your employer, you, you, you give a full day's work for a full day's wage, and you're faithful in, in, in the little things. I mean, that's what God is. That's what God is making us. Your words are dependable. It's like when E.F. Hutton, Hutton talks. Remember that old ad? People listen. People listen. <laughs> but when you talk, you ought to be the same. But your yea be yea, and your nay be nay. In other words, you don't have to swear. And I swear on my mother's grave. Whatever does that mean, anyways? I, I often wonder. It sounds sort of uh, sacred, but <laughs> you don't need to do that. That means that other times it's a free game. You may be lying, you may be not. Just say the truth. Be faithful and dependable and all these things. I never, uh, some of you uh, joined the Marines. I don't know who in here were Marines, but you got you to love their model. It's almost uh, enough to make you want to sign up, right? A little semper fi. What's that? Always faithful. That ought to be the characteristic of a Christian of your life. That's what God's doing. That's what a Christian looks like. Not, you may fail then to just get up and go, Lord, help me. I want to be dependable. So what I say really counts, and it means everything to me. Or don't say it, you know? Make your word count. That's what God's doing. The, the, the next is a gentleness. You'll, you possess a gentleness that previously was foreign to you. There's no English equivalent. Some of you have tr- taken foreign language, and it's just one of those cases where it doesn't—it doesn't translate in one word to the English from the Greek. Uh, some places it's a gentle, yieldedness. Uh, Philippians 4 puts it that way, uh, uh, but it—it's—it it's, has the idea uh, in the heart of uh, uh, its strength and gentleness. It's power under control, it's not weakness, it's some translated meekness, but we don't use that word today, so it sounds like weakness. Moses was such a man, but he was anything but meek or weak. Jesus, interesting enough, in 1129 of Matthew, it's one of the few times that the Lord describes himself. I am gentle, he said, he uses that very word. Strength under power, under control, with a tenderness. It describes the way, in fact, that we're supposed to witness the, in, in 1 Peter 3, for those that ask of the hope that is within you, we're to reply, and he uses the word with this gentleness, not to smash people with our Bibles, you know, and hit them over the head, and all that, you know, it, uh, you know turn or burn, or something. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, and, and, and so on. Um, we, I looked at some pictures Uh, when I was home at mom's uh, this last week and she's got pictures everywhere her trophies are her kids and uh, the grandkids and all that and there's one picture that uh, she has that I hope to get someday but it's a beautiful picture Uh, it's a a picture of my father uh, when he must have been uh, 24 or 5 he had a white t-shirt on down here and he had these huge biceps and he's holding me as a baby, and it's beautiful. Here's this man, man's man, huge biceps, and the tenderness of holding this guy. <laughs> and to me, it's beautiful. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. That's the picture, I think, of, of this word, gentleness. And, and, and that's what God is doing in our lives. The last one is self-control you'll increasingly possess a mastery over your sinful desires and impulse. This involves a restraining of passions and appetites, victory over fleshly desires. It may be two steps forward, one back, two forward, one back, but bit by bit by bit, the Spirit of God is is, is conforming you and changing you from the heart out so that you're not driven by Appetites, illicit or otherwise, even good appetites abused, and we are all we all live in this world and and, and, and and Paul said in, I beat my body black and blue, lest after having preached to others, I myself should also become a castaway it 's all within us it 's within all of us, but wander away And the self control that the spirit had to say no uh, to to uh, sinful habits of yesteryear and deep things and 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 God is changing us and giving us power over that bit by bit by bit the self mastery by the Spirit of God only possible by the Spirit of God and it comes by a yielded life that's what that Romans 7 we're to yield our instruments our hands our feet our eyes our mouth our ears right yield them unto uh, as instruments of righteousness And so pray that way, Lord. Take my feet and may I not go places where I'm going to sin. Take my hands, my eyes, my ears, Lord. My body is yours. You made me, I'm yours. You bought me, I'm yours. And you're preparing me for heaven, changing me, conforming me to that likeness of Jesus. Lord, I'm all together yours. Self-control. Jesus is the picture of that, is he not? Look at that. He's a man who's always under control. You ever notice that in the gospel, there's not like a chapter where he kind of flew off the handle? I've had it! You know, and just kind of, just kind of beats him up. We probably all like that chapter, you know, kind of like, ha ha ha, he finally got him. You know, it's not in my Bible. It's not. It's not. He's, he's always under, even as he's moving now toward the cross and are studying Luke, he's a man under control of the Spirit. And that's what he's doing in your life and mine. He's not sharing a piece of his mind. You know, sometimes, I'm just sharing a piece of my mind. I usually find people that do that probably can't afford to share that. They probably (laughs) shouldn't. It'd been better not to say that. They probably need every little bit they got. But uh, you never see that with the Lord. And that's what God's doing in our life. He's changing us, changing us into that wonderful, wonderful image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's uh, not a matter of cut your hair. Come to Jesus and get cut your Come to Jesus and shave your beard. Come to Jesus and wear this clothing or that clothing. No, I'm not talking modesty. Modesty is always in season. You see, but it's the heart. It's the heart. It's the heart. And if you have children and grandchildren, some of you do, always make sure it's a heart issue with them. The outside, ah, don't worry about that. It's the heart. It's the heart. The love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and our strength. And, and we're his project. We're trying to get this construction thing going over there. We say, Lord, your timing, your Jehovah Jireh, it's your project. Guess what? God's doing something about something bigger, a bigger project. In your life, in your life, in your life, in my life, he's changing us and making him like himself. And that's what a Christian looks like. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, patience and self-control. May God help us. Let's grow in grace, shall we? Oh, Lord, help us. Let's stand and be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for, it's so encouraging to know that we're not in any sort of self-reclamation or improvement project. We can't. We're like a dog. We would return to our vomit over and over again. Forgive us, Lord. Cleanse us. Mold us. Make us to be like Jesus, Lord. Oh, I pray. Thank you for that. We sense that. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, all things are becoming new. Thank you for that, Lord. Help us to grow in grace. Give us victory over sin daily. Forgive us, Lord, for the thousand failures we've made purposely. And help us to love you, to grow in grace, and to be the epistle of Jesus, known and read of all people, that we are the love of God through your salvation. Dismiss us with your blessing. Make us a blessing to all that we should meet until we join again. In Christ's name, amen. We are dismissed. God bless. Have a great week and a wonderful holiday.